Good morning. You guys look so bright and cheerful. You must have had a great night's sleep last night. Good job. Hey, uh, before I get started the message, I do want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Psalm 42, the beginning of the passage that Jack just started with. That's where I'm going to kind of uh, hang out this morning. So I want to encourage you to, to be there. We're going to, I'll open that up here just a little bit later. Um, I just first want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Uh, he's not here today, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, his name is Bill. It's not his real name. I didn't want to use his real name today, but uh, uh, he uh, was a good friend of mine. Actually, I met him in college. He was a fraternity brother of mine and uh, uh, got to know him really well and lived in that fraternity for four years. He was a couple years older than I was. Uh, just a really super nice guy. I mean, if you were had the chance to meet him, you would just notice super friendly, always smiling, just, just an outgoing spirit, uh, enjoyed having fun. Uh, he was a really, really strong, solid Christian guy. Actually, was one of the the, the people that mentored my uh, journey in faith uh, when I was in college. I just was really grateful for that. And uh, you know, just just an all all out great guy. In fact, his senior year, we had an award that we would get every every year in our fraternity that was go to the the guy that would get voted the the best brother in the whole house, the guy who was like the friendliest guy, the most supportive, the most encouraging, and he won it his senior year. That's how great of a guy. Uh, he is. And um, he actually felt the calling to become a Christian counselor. He went to grad school, got his degree, got licensed. He's been doing Christian counseling for over 30 years now and just a really powerful ministry. But if you were to know him uh, or meet him, you would just think outgoing, friendly, just positive spirit. But what you might know, know about him is that he actually uh, later on in life experienced severe bout of depression. Even as a Christian counselor, you would think, why, that, that probably shouldn't happen to a Christian counselor. And he told me uh, later on, he said, you know, I would have never expected that. He says, I had all the resources, I knew everything. He said, but then when it came upon me, he goes, it was like I had no hope at all. And I didn't even know if I would ever get out of this dark place that I was in. And so depression is a real thing, and we never know if it's going to strike us or someone else that we know and we, we love. And it's a fairly complex challenge to address or to deal with. Um, just want to start this morning by saying, you know, you might be wondering, why are we talking about depression on a day we should be celebrating, right? This is Mother's Day. It's a grad Sunday, right? And it's a day that we should celebrate and it is a day to celebrate. And we are so honored we're going to take time to celebrate our graduates at the end of the service. But the other thing I would tell you is that while it is a day of celebration and a great day to celebrate, there are those among us who they know it's a day to celebrate, they want to celebrate, but they're not able to because they're in a, a really dark place, a tough place. And so we're going to just take some time this morning to talk about what do we do when we're in a dark place of depression. Uh, the other thing I would say uh, to you is that uh, this week um, I spent some time uh, talking to some friends that are Christian counselors because I don't want to get this wrong. It's a complex issue, as I mentioned, and not always easy responses or easy answers. The other thing I did is I actually talked to some of you who have struggled with depression, and you shared with me a little bit of the challenges that you've experienced, and that was very helpful. I also heard a couple of messages from some other pastors, uh, specifically Josh Shaw and Craig Rochelle, and I found their messages to be very helpful, and there'll be a few things in my message that I took from them. And so we're just going to take time, and then the other thing I mentioned as we dive into the subject is, you may be a person who's never struggled with depression, and I would tell you, praise the Lord for that, Right? Just be thankful, be humble, because again, we never know 
if depression might come upon us. The other thing I would say is that as you hear this message this morning, if you've not struggled with depression, I'm hopeful that what you will learn today might be helpful for you to help other people in your life, maybe a family member or a friend who may find themselves in a very, very difficult place. So again, I want to come to the question, uh, what do we do when we're in a dark place of depression? So the first thing I would say is we, we have an honest talk with God and with ourselves. I'm going to invite you now to turn to Psalm uh, 42, and uh, we're going to start in verse 1, and just kind of take a little bit of time to read through this. Uh, verse 1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Now this is a fairly well-known verse. If you've been in the church for quite a while, you've probably heard this verse recited. You've you probably are familiar with a few Christian songs that take this verse as kind of the theme of the song, but what you may not understand is that oftentimes this verse is used to describe kind of this, this strong emotion of somebody who's pursuing God with everything that they have, and in a way it's almost this romantic uh, vision of how this person is, is pursuing God and their intimate relationship with God. And I don't want to like cause great harm, but I'm going to just burst your bubble. That's not what this verse is communicating. This verse is not about this romantic, intimate relationship with God. This verse is about somebody who's desperate for God's presence, so desperate, it feels like God's so far away and been so distant for so long, it's like a deer who has not had water for months and is about ready to die from thirst. This is what his soul feels like. His soul is crying out to God, God, where are you? I need you. I can't find you. Where have you gone? Do you see the difference? So next time you hear that song, I want you to think about what is the context in which this verse is, is written. So the rest of the psalm is going to give us the context. He goes on, he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Do you hear the desperation that's in his voice? So in this moment, he's crying out to God, right? He's being honest with God about what he's feeling. Um, and when we cry out to God, we have this opportunity to pour our emotions out to him. And you need to understand that if you're in this place of struggle with depression, that your emotions are valid. Like, they're real. Don't discount them, but they're not permanent. Did you hear that? They're real, they're valid, but they're not permanent. You need to name your emotions. You know, say, I'm angry, I'm, I'm sad, I'm hurt, I'm numb, I'm wounded, I'm empty, I don't feel anything at all. Naming your emotions opens the door to changing them. We aren't going to make, and I just want to encourage you to not make any permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Right? Don't make the big decisions based on these, these really hard feelings that I'm feeling Right now, you know, you might feel like, hey, I'm, a, I'm just really struggling at work as of this place I'm in in depression, and I, I just don't have much to offer, and I feel like I need to quit. I would encourage you, don't do that without having a conversation with somebody. You may feel like you don't have much to offer in your marriage, and it's a super big struggle, and you feel like you're this weight in the marriage, and you feel like you might want to quit the marriage. Don't do that on these temporary feelings that you're feeling right now. You may even feel like your life is not worth it. And it might feel like that, but it's not true. Okay? It's not true. Don't make any permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. Your emotions, again, are valid. You can feel them, but don't be ruled by those emotions. Those emotions can make you feel like, at times, you're drowning 
and you don't really know how you're going to get out of the situation. That's what the psalmist names in verse 7. Let's look at verse 7. He says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And so, while he's searching for God, he's hoping that God would show his presence to him and to give him help. What he's really feeling like is he's being overwhelmed. He's being overwhelmed by the, these bad emotions, these difficult emotions that he's feeling, and he's wondering, God, instead of helping me, it feels like you're, you're giving me things that overwhelm me. Do you know what a, a riptide is? Uh, there are beaches uh, in the country that actually, as the ocean waves come in, there are some beaches that have a section that's dangerous, that's kind of a riptide, and that's where the water comes in, but there's a section where it rushes back out, and that's a, it's a riptide. It's a current that's very, very strong, and if you get caught in a riptide, you can get in trouble really quickly. In fact, Olympic-level uh, uh, swimmers have said they've gotten caught in a riptide before, and they feel helpless. That's how powerful a riptide feels. And they tell you if you're in a riptide, you're not supposed to swim with the current because you'll get shot out to the ocean. You're also not supposed to swim against it to try to get back to the beach because it oftentimes it's too powerful. You won't be able to make it back to the beach. And so what do you do? You swim perpendicular to the current. You try to go crossways to try to get out of that Current. I had a friend one time who was caught in a riptide, and he told me, he said, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it out. Like, it just felt overwhelming. I felt like I was swimming and swimming, and I wasn't getting to where I could get to calm waters. And he then talked about how he told this story that, um, that he thought he's never going to get out, and he was almost ready to give up, thinking he's going to drown. But he said the strange thing was is he broke into calm water, and he didn't even realize how close he was to calm water. And he said, you know, in my mind, my mind was telling me I was going to drown. And he said, and I was only a couple of feet from calm water. And that's a little bit of like what our emotions are like when we're in a, in a depressed place. When we're depressed, the emotions that are valid are telling us that we feel hopeless while we can just be a few moments or a few steps away from moving towards hope and towards healing. So naming how we feel to God and to ourselves helps us move toward a place of peace and calm. And you might say, well, what good is that going to do for me to be able to, you know, like think these negative thoughts and say them? It feels like that's just going to only cause me to go spiral down in a deeper, darker place. But mental health professionals will tell you that to name your emotions are helpful. You know, spiritually, the way we would describe that is simply we're taking those negative feelings that are in the dark and we're naming them and we're putting them into the light of Christ. And we know in the light of Christ that Christ can bring healing and he can bring hope. Psalm 18, verse, uh, verse 28 says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. So what do we do when we find ourselves struggling with depression? Be honest with God and, and with yourself. And depression is complex, and often it's not just one action that helps us kind of move towards a better place. What else can we do if we're struggling with depression? Well, we can revoke the critics that are in our lives and lean on caregivers. Revoke the critics and lean on caregivers. Whenever there's depression, there's always going to be oppression. Look at the oppression that Psalmist feels in this passage. Look at verse 3 again. He says in verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? So he's saying, My tears have been my food all day and all night. And then look to 9 and 10 in the passage. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Do you hear the voices of oppression in the psalmist's life? He's expressing them. And for people struggling with depression, there's always voices that are talking to them, saying, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not worthy enough. And too often the voice that speaks to them is the voice within themselves. It says to ourselves, we say we, we play a negative loop that says something like, we don't measure up, we're not good enough. Or, the, uh, or there could be an unhealthy family member or friend who says negative things to them or unhelpful comments. Or even the church can at times, unfortunately, say things like, if you struggle with this, it must be because of sin. That's not helpful. Okay? I'm just going to tell you that. It's not helpful. Uh, was the author sinning when he wrote these emotions in this beautiful psalm that we have? No. He was not in sin. Uh, do you remember the story of Job that we read a few months ago and his friends told him, Hey, you know, Job, all these problems you're having, it must be your fault. Okay? There must be sin in your life. You must have done something. This is God's judgment on you. No, we know from that that God clearly rebuked his friends. That's not what was going on in that passage. We can even go to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is crying out to God. He says, in blood, sweat, and tears, he's saying, My God, my God, take this cup from me. Is Jesus sinning when he cries that out? No, he is not. And some will say with good intentions, you know, if you just pray hard enough, if you pray long enough, it's going to get better. It'll go away. And I would say for some, I know that prayer and prayer alone has been the thing that's helped them break through. And I don't deny that. But I would tell you from my experience, the majority of people who struggle with depression, it's not prayer alone that helps them move through that. So if your child comes to you and they've got a a fever of 103 and they say they have a sore throat, what do you do? Do you pray for them? Yes. But you also take them to the doctor, probably. Okay? If somebody breaks a bone, we want to pray for them, but we also probably tell them, you probably should go see an orthopedic surgeon. Or if they have cancer, you know, we want to pray for them, but we also want to tell them, hey, you should probably go see an oncologist. So if somebody with, that you know shares with you that they're struggling with depression, pray for them, encourage them, help them, help them find help and resources. Be a caregiver, not a critic. So you think about uh, Exodus chapter 17. There's a story of the uh, Israelites fighting a battle against the Amalekites. And their leader, Moses, goes up on the mountain and he brings his friends or his assistants. He brings Aaron, he brings her with them. And they're on the mountaintop. And while the Israelites are fighting the Amalekites, Moses is interceding on behalf of the army. He raises his arms and he's crying out to God. He's praying and he's asking God to give them the victory. And when he has his arms up and he's praying, what happens? The Israelites are winning the battle. But in the story, eventually his arms are starting to get tired. And what happens? His arms start to drop. And when his arms start to drop, what happens? They start to lose the battle. And what do Aaron and Hur do? Do they tell Moses, you need to pray harder, Moses. You're not praying hard enough. Do they tell him, oh, you didn't, you need to lift more weights. You should have done more iron curls, right? Curls, you know, they'll get stronger so your arms will... No, they don't say those things, do they? What do they do? They find a rock for him to sit on. And he sits on a rock, and while he's resting, he's able to raise his arms back up. But eventually, even on the rock, his arms grow tired, and they start to fall. And again, the Israels start to lose when his arms start to drop. And what do they do? They get on either side of him and they hold his arms up until the Israelites win the victory. And so I want to encourage you, if you know somebody that's struggling with depression, be an Aaron or a Hur to them, right? 
Hold them up in prayer. Hold them up and encourage them until the Lord brings victory in their life over depression. So when you're struggling with depression, find a way to revoke the critics in your life and surround yourself with caregivers, with caregiving friends. And friends can help, but even with their help, we can still struggle with depression. And so when our situation feels hopeless, we need to remember that with God, there is always hope. With God, there is always hope. When it feels like, you know, in this, this passage, when it feels like his soul can't take any more darkness, the, the psalmist remembers God's character and how God's character offers hope. And in doing so, he throws a lifeline to his soul. He says, I can put my hope in God because he is faithful. I remember the times that he delivered me before when I was struggling and then God showed up and delivered me. And because he did that before and I remember it, I can trust and I can have hope in him that he's going to do it again. Let's go back and look at verse 5, verse 8, and verse 11. He says in verse 5, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he shifts. You notice this. He says, then put your hope in God, for I will, I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then we go down to verse uh, 7, and it says in, uh, let me make sure, oh, verse 8. It says, verse 8, by day that the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. And then we drop down to verse 11, and it says the same thing as verse 5. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And he reminds his soul again to shift. And he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Do you remember the critics in the, that the psalmist recorded? He said that his critics were saying, where is your God? And we oftentimes say in our pain, God, where are you? Why do you delay when I need you? And the Psalms, many of them, frequently lament that God is far away and too slow to act. Where are you? I need you, God. And remember, the psalmist is saying that his soul was so parched, it felt like he hadn't had a drink from the presence of God in forever. And he feels like his soul is dying within him. You know, I've had two different bouts with what's called pulmonary embolism. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, it's not a good thing. Uh, uh, it's, it's kind of dangerous actually. And I ended up in the ICU both times and, and at times it was so painful. I thought I might die. Um, it was not a great thing to endure. The, and the second time I went through it, it was actually more painful than the first time that I had this problem. And yet the second time was easier because I knew what to expect because I'd already been through this process before. And what I knew is that eventually the pain meds would help ease the pain that I was experiencing. But I also knew that the blood thinners that they were giving me would eventually dissolve the clots that were in my lungs and in my legs. And so my memory provided me with a sense of confidence that in the midst of pain and, and fear that I, you know, facing a difficult situation, I could do it without panic, right? This is how memory is functioning for the poet in Psalm 42. Look at verse 4. He's pouring out his soul in, ang- in anguish, and he remembers, he remembers the joy that he experienced previously in God's presence. And in verse 6, when his soul is downcast, he remembers the hope that he can find in God and in God's character, and that God is faithful and his loving kindness will never come to an end. So when we are struggling and it feels like it's hopeless, we can know that there's always hope in God, with God. 
You know, as we think about, there are verses we can remember if we're struggling in a dark place. We can remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I lack nothing, right? He leads me in, pa- in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my beard with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can remember. We can remember Romans 8, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, not even depression, neither height nor depth, nor any of this will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We remember. We remember there's always hope in God and that God's faithfulness and His loving kindness endure forever. When our situation feels hopeless, remember that with God there is always hope. So what do you do when you find yourself in a dark place? Get honest with God and with yourself. Name those emotions. They're valid, but let's not make any permanent decisions on temporary emotions. We revoke the, the negative voices in our lives, and we lean on caregivers, right? And when it seems hopeless, we remember that with God there is always hope. So what do you do when you find that it's all dark? Again, name your trouble. But I, th- I encourage you also, you know, say, I need help. I need help. And that's not a sign of weakness to say that. It's actually wisdom. And then I would encourage you some practical options for you that you can take some steps. Like you could seek a Christian counselor and in meeting with that person, you're going to find, I think, that it'll help a little bit. You can see a doctor. Maybe, you know, there might be some help that you could get temporarily with some medication. It may help a little. You can change your diet. It could help a little. You might start exercising. It could help some. You could journal. Again, naming those emotions and the challenges you're experiencing, and it'll help a little bit. You can get involved in a life group or a Bible study, and it may help a lot. Because you know what? We were created for community, right? We were created to help care for one another, share our burdens with one another. And when you experience the care of others for you in that group, but then also when you care for them, you're finding a purpose again in life as you help them uh, in Christ. You can pray. It could help a little. It could help a lot if you pray. I'd also encourage you to find, again, those friends who you can ask them to intercede for you on your behalf, and I think that will help you. You can praise. Again, the psalmist turns his attention towards praising God. And so when we turn our attention away from our pain and our sorrow, and we turn it back to remembering God and His faithfulness and His goodness, things will get a little bit better. Remember, you may feel hopeless, but with God, there is always hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for these passages that you put in your word, God, where your children are struggling, and they're struggling mightily. And God, we know that there are times that we struggle. We know we've had friends and family that have struggled in dark places and depression. And God, we're grateful for the resources you give us. 
God, that you remind us again of your loving kindness and that we can always have hope even when it feels hopeless. We can turn to you and find hope. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here in this room that's really struggling, God, that that you would cause them to reach out and to ask for help. And God, I pray for those of us in the room that might be thinking of someone we know who's struggling with that. God, give us some wisdom. Give us some insight in how we might be able to come alongside them and help them like Aaron and like her did for Moses. God, we're grateful that you promise you will never leave us nor forsake us. And your loving kindness, God, never comes to an end. And so, God, we lift these things to you. We pray them in Christ's name. Amen.